Hello and welcome to Star Trek Sundays. Today's episode is For the Love of Trek, an homage to Star Trek Part 1, in which we'll discuss a happy refrain from the Orville. Part 2 will be published next week, and in that episode we discuss USS Callister from Black Mirror. If you're new here, I'm Victoria, and with me is my co-host T. Star Trek Sundays is a podcast through which we and our guest crew examine the philosophical themes presented in Star Trek every Sunday at 10 a.m. PST on Clubhouse. Our goal is not to come to conclusions on the themes we discuss, but to spark contemplation and conversation, which we hope continues after the live recording and into the lives of the listeners of the podcast. The Star Trek Sundays podcast is available one week after the live show on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and from anywhere else you get your podcasts. Please consider subscribing to our channels. It helps us reach others who might enjoy the show. T, thanks for curating these two episodes that honored Star Trek. Both of them, in different ways, pointed out just how universal and timeless the philosophical themes we discuss on this show are, and how well Star Trek, particularly the original series and The Next Generation, presented those themes. I love that you wanted to mix up the schedule and do something fun for April Fool's Day weekend as well. Can you tell us why you chose these two episodes for this week? You bet, Victoria. Star Trek is, without question, the most successful science fiction TV and movie franchise ever created, with another science fiction franchise that starts with Star, a distant second. So it should come as no surprise to anyone that it would have its spoofs, parodies, and knockoffs. But then on a rare occasion, out of the dizzying sea of media and cheap clones, actual love letters emerge, expressing their deepest love for the franchise. Like shiny diamonds in a sea of dirt, sifting their way to the surface as I dig through the endless scroll of things to watch. When I thought about April Fool's Day, which was yesterday, I thought about the great tradition of doing the completely unexpected, throwing the audience for a loop and surprising them with a real giggle, even if it was promising too much and delivering too little. I thought about how we could flip the script and do something silly, like Raid Shadow Legends Sundays. But then I realized I really didn't have to wander too far off the beaten path to really do something different. Initially, Galaxy Quest came to mind, and I'm still keeping that in my holster for next year. But there were two fairly recent additions to the collection that I really wanted to highlight as being both watch-worthy and expressing a deep and abiding love of all things Star Trek. The first was The Orville, a TV series on Hulu, created by the same genius mind who gave us Family Guy, Seth MacFarlane. In so many ways, this is a love letter to Star Trek The Next Generation. I felt like Seth understood so well what worked about The Next Generation that when he built an enterprise of his own, he didn't see the need to change anything. Obviously, the actors are different, and the style has a slightly rubber feel to it, but if you squint hard, it's trivially simple to see it as just another enterprise with just another crew and their friends and families on board who are doing what members of the Federation do best, trek through the stars while exploring the philosophy of the human condition. The other was an episode of Black Mirror, a Netflix original series called the USS Callister, in which a technical genius obsessed with Star Trek style, a Star Trek style series creates a procedurally generated virtual world based on the series. 
and traps people from his work inside the simulation against their will. This, too, was an obvious homage to the dynamics that make Star Trek great. From the crew roles to the uniforms to the ship itself, even the sounds were distinctly Star Trek. I chose these two specific episodes because if you love Star Trek and you love seeing how other people express the same love, these are shining examples of creativity born out of that passion. On April Fool's Day, I thought we would throw the usual script in the bin, and so, in the words of Monty Python, and now for something completely different. And on a personal note, I happen to be traveling this week, and I'm in New York, and I have the pleasure of having my son Harvest here. He'll be joining us for the show. He's down in the audience now, and I'm really looking forward to bringing him up because he too really loves Star Trek. Thanks, T, and welcome, Harvest. It is really exciting to have you here. So uh, welcome, and welcome to everybody else who's here. T, let's start with a happy refrain from the Orville. Can you provide a summary of this episode to remind those who didn't get a chance to review it what the story was about? And then I'll ask you the question. Definitely. Uh, happy refrain, the Orville, season two, episode six, first aired on the 31st of January, 2019. In this episode, Claire, the ship's, the ship's chief medical officer, finds herself romantically involved with Isaac, an android incapable of emotion, and together they try and navigate love at warp speed. I chose this episode because it's data all over again. The way that Isaac interacts with humans and fails to understand their emotions was obviously inspired by data. But like any good creative writing, it didn't matter because the story was so wonderfully compelling that it didn't feel like a ripoff. It felt like somebody truly loved Star Trek and wanted to continue telling stories within that universe. Yeah, thank you, T. Uh, yeah, what an absolute delight this show is. Uh, a love letter to Star Trek, for sure. And while it's been called a parody of sorts, it really felt like a true Star Trek series, but comedy. I really enjoyed the way the writers could poke fun at Star Trek, but not in a way that was hurtful or insulting. They weren't saying, this is what you do, what a joke, but instead saying, this is what you do and we can't get enough of it, thank you. Right? And I, I think all of us who were watching it felt the same way. This episode incorporated so many elements that made me laugh even later in the evening, like when Bortus asked the doctor for assistance in growing a mustache. Then uh, when Bortus returned to the bridge with a thick Tom Selleck-like mustache and a crewmate asks when Bortus decided to join the fire department. <laughs> it was a classic uh, firefighter mustache and it was just cute and wholesome. I, I got a kick out of that. I even watched uh, a clip of it later. Then there's the romance. I really liked this. Claire, the ship's doctor, decides to ask Isaac, an android, out on a date. He accepts and looks at this date as an opportunity to collect data about human relationships, not realizing that Claire has a different, you know, more emotional perspective. After some missteps in the dating world and a nasty breakup, Isaac makes a mistake on the bridge, which he's never made before. So he scans himself using the ship's computer and learns that his subroutines have adjusted to Claire's presence and without her, his programming is wonky. He's fallen in love. I thought this was adorable, and I even told my husband about it later after showing him the mustache <laughs> clip. 
But I, I talked to my husband about it later that night as we contemplated love. Because I know that my subroutines have adjusted to my husband's presence. And without him, my program is wonky too. And I just thought this was so cute. So I really respect how the Orville wrote the script and the story in a way that inspires contemplation like that. And it's in a way that's very similar to the way in which the next generation did this, which is why I love that series so, so much. So here's my question for you, T. Claire becomes involved romantically with Isaac, the ship's android, who over the episode learns to adapt, evolve, and grow into that relationship. Yes, spoil alert, they make up in the end. Assuming we were in a world in which robots existed who could grow into a relationship and even love in their own way, would you be willing to try romance with a robot? I would. And I think my view on this has evolved recently as language models continue to come on the scene and genuinely impress me with their human-like capabilities. Um, I think that we're literally, you know, <laughs> hours away on a technological or minutes away on a technological scale from having human robot relations, which are incredibly emotionally fulfilling because robots can do things that humans simply can't do. Um, it used to be the case that robots were superior in other ways and inferior in critical ways. They were superior in that they were always available, never too busy, never you know, never uh, in the wrong state uh, when you needed them to be, but they lacked a critical uh, uh, emotional component. They lacked the ability to empathize, to echo back to you how you're feeling, to develop uh, original responses to that, to, you know, provide uh, an actual sense of assurance of something of somebody else there. And then suddenly these language models come out and now they can do just that. Now they can actually provide genuine emotional content that is contextual to the relationship. They can develop and evolve new skills in order to better, um, you know, better meet the needs of their partner. They can learn and grow and evolve and adapt and create better relationships. And so I, I find myself ha uh, being forced to contemplate a, a very real yes with regards to this. I'm not saying that we're there yet, but I don't think it's that far off. I don't think it's that hard to imagine, especially when you look at other examples of this from, uh, for example, uh, Blade Runner 2049, in which you have like a, a holograph that is you know, playing the role of the of the physical components in order to substitute some of the some of the absent pieces, or in the case of the Orville episode, the hollow deck, which supplies the physical component. I don't think it's that unrealistic to say that people will soon find themselves challenged um, with the opportunity to to really take on new relationships and. With, with robots and be incredibly emotionally fulfilled by them. Great. Thank you. It's interesting because, you know, we've talked about this before. We're into this AI technology and um, I'm really interested in, in hearing what other people have to say about this as well. And if there's other nuances to it, because I go, well, 
when the robot responds the way we need it to, like you had said the word need a couple of times, my initial thought was, yes, but it's just trained to meet our needs, even if that isn't what it wants. But then I think about real relationships between two bio individuals. And I think, well, don't we sometimes just meet the needs of our partner because we want to be in that relationship, that's healthy for us to be in that relationship. And it's more of a logical thing to do than an emotional thing. So so that's where my mind went, like, how different is it? It feels different. And certainly we could talk about the mechanisms and the, the actual physical thing, although we know that data was fully functional in every way. So if we set aside that and we're just talking about emotions, I just I just wonder how different it is. You know, we think we feel that it's different, but is it? So uh, this is a great question to put to everybody as well. Welcome to the stage. We've got Babs and Harvest and Gella and Rachel and Boat. Babs, I'll go to you and I'll put this out to you and I'll just introduce it uh, again. Claire, the ship's doctor, becomes romantically involved with Isaac, the ship's android, who over the episode learns to adapt, evolve, and grow into their relationship. And yes, they had a breakup and they make up at the end. It was a cute makeup as well. Assuming we were in a world in which robots existed who could grow into relationships and even love in their own way, would you be willing to try romance with a robot? <laughs> uh, leave it to the uh, pervert of the room to go there. Um, no, I won't go there. Um, no, I, I think it could happen. Um, if you actually look at, um, you know, the world as it is, you know, um, we see divorce happening, especially in America, at such an exceedingly high rate. And I think, honestly, if people were given the chance to, quote, create a boyfriend, you know, like build a boyfriend, if you will, instead of build a bear, um, you know, if you could build a boyfriend, you know, that can adapt and can supersede the difficulties that would come with being a, well, a non-sentient being, you know, it, it would be... Uh, you know, I, I think it would be an interesting thing to see. Um, what I was going to say was, um, you know, can you can technically consider the little robots that we use for um, adults time, if you will? I mean, some people are in love with those and they maintain the asexual lifestyle, right? So, I mean, one could say that it technically does already happen. Um, the fact that it's not a sentient being that can uh, make its own decisions and things like that it's programmed to do certain things you know i don't know how how easy it would be honestly it could be easy but would it be fulfilling i think would be the bigger question and i would say that would be a no interesting okay so we've talked on the podcast before about uh, sentience and and data in particular and and because this is a an homage to the next generation you know we could we could mix this new android to us isaac with data a little bit and i guess that's where my question is like how is that different from people like we adapt and we learn and we know oh okay well i usually put the toothbrush here but i know that they want the toothbrushes put in a different spot is that something I can adapt to, right? So I adapt because I want to please my partner and it's not a big deal, 
right? And so a robot would be able to adapt and do that because the goal is to be in the relationship, right? And so in, you know, when we're talking about this level of Android, there is this adaptability. Like one of the scenes that I thought was funny and then, you know, it was, it was cute is the Android was getting advice from some of the other crew members and, and some of it was quite cute, right? He actually wore like a nice shirt to dinner over his Android sort of uniform metal body and, uh, and pants, shooting pants, not just, not just a shirt. That would be weird. And another one, somebody was telling the story to him about uh, how their ex-boyfriend had made them a cake. And Isaac misinterprets this and immediately goes and makes a cake and shows up at this person's apartment at three in the morning with a cake. Now, she didn't like that, although I thought it was pretty sweet. <laughs> and if somebody showed up at my apartment with a cake after we'd broken up, I think that might work for me. But anyway, that didn't really work for her. So he found a different way of doing it, right? Of making up and saying, I'm sorry. And so I'm looking at this level of emotion and adaptability. And I, I guess I want to put it out there like, is it possible or probable that these androids in the future will be able to adapt better than we do? Thank you for your contribution, Babs. Uh, really appreciate that. Harvest, welcome to Star Trek Sundays. Welcome to the stage. Thank you for coming to the watch party yesterday. Really appreciate that. We hope that you continue to come back. Again, I'll just put this question to you. Claire becomes involved romantically with Isaac, the ship's android, who over the episode learns to adapt, evolve, and grow into the relationship. Assuming we were in a world in which robots existed who could grow into a relationship and even love in their own way, would you, Harvest, be willing to try romance with a robot? Uh, the long answer to your question um, would take me back to the story of Pygmalion, the artist who builds his own sculpture and, and falls in love with this perfect woman he creates uh you know and then she comes to life there's the rest of the story but kind of this idea of perfect woman and i really like dad's example in blade runner uh the second blade runner 2040 oh gosh my numbers 2049 the second blade runner uh, of uh the holographic girlfriend and comparing that to the relationship that's going on in this and something i wonder is kind of in this idea of having this perfect partner, the robot who adapts to meet your every need, uh, that you lose something innately human in relationships. There's this idea of perfect romance. You know, you're one and only who's the one person that you will be with forever, your one true love. And the idea that you could simply build him you know, I think takes away from a lot of that. But I also don't necessarily believe in that same idea that there is one perfect person, that there is one true love out there. Because as much as relationships are about loving and supporting and being there for your partner, you know, it's a two-way street. And you can't necessarily walk down that street in the same way as a robot. They can always be there for you. They can always fulfill your needs and meet what you need, but there's not really a way to please them that's not a reaction of their programming. 
So in that, I would say no, not in my lifetime would I try romance with a robot because I think there is something innately human about failing in romance that is required as an aspect of growth. Um, and I, I certainly made me think Babs talking about the, the build a boyfriend of the story of Pygmalion and how that resonates all the way back up to, to this idea that we're facing today in reality. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so his mistake was, Isaac's mistake was downloading all the information about her instead of getting to know her. But then he rectified that by getting rid of it all, right? And getting to know her. And so she enjoyed that. And I don't know, we we think that Data has emotions, even though he's said to no, not be programmed for them. Um, and the same with this one. Clearly, he seemed to enjoy, as, as much as we can use that word, enjoy for a robot, the company of certain people. But we also saw him make mistakes. He misinterpreted certain advice that, like the cake, which I thought was kind of cute, right? And that's the kind of thing that humans do do. So while I agree that the whole build a boyfriend thing would not be interesting, and I don't know that we know ourselves well enough that we'd be able to build the perfect mate anyway, I'm just not sure that a robot would still answer all those questions, would, would always be able to adapt perfectly because if they're programmed to be logical in certain ways and they're dealing with humans who aren't logical, there's going to be friction at some point, right? Very interesting contribution. So we've got a, a yes from T and a no from Babs and Harvest so far. So let's move on. Welcome to the stage, Gela. So Claire becomes involved romantically with Isaac, the ship's android who over the episode learns to adapt, evolve, and grow into the relationship. Assuming we were in a world in which robots existed who could grow into a relationship and even love in their own way, would you be willing to try romance with a robot? I was thinking along very similar lines to Harvest. You know, you could have a, um, a partner that's programmed to fulfill your needs and to adapt and um, be what you need them to be in a relationship. Um, but a big part of relationships is also being needed and being, you know, having somebody choose you and want you. And um, if we didn't have um, if, if the kind of uh, robot relationship we're talking about is one where you can go to the robot and say, I want you to be in a relationship with me, and the robot would program itself to be in a relationship with you, um, versus the kind of situation where we have actually sentient and um, emotional robots that have needs and wants, desires and and are longing for a relationship themselves. I think that those would be very different scenarios in my mind. And um, I don't know that I could be or would want to be in a relationship where it's all about what I want and what I need. Um, I wanna be taken care of, but I also want to take care of somebody. Um, to me, that's an important part of relationships. So in, term, in the terms that we've been talking about it, 
no um but in a different kind of scenario where we have um robots that are truly emotional individuals in the same way that humans are then that would be a different story well thank you for that yeah there's lots to contemplate in there because when you say emotional in the same way humans are we know that humans are emotional at different levels and that uh, some people don't show emotion at all uh, or very differently from others and can still be in relationships once we know that that lack of expression isn't necessarily a lack of feeling. But some some people just don't feel the way others feel quite deeply. I'm a very highly sensitive person. So almost everything I feel is deep and it's distracting sometimes. And sometimes I look at people who are very nonchalant about things and am jealous that nothing really bothers them and nothing really excites them. But we're talking, just going forward with this, we are talking about this particular scenario. And with Isaac, when he scans himself using the ship's computer, he learns that his subroutines have adjusted to Claire's presence and without her, his program is wonky. And that's the kind of thing that made me go, you know, hey, I'm wonky without my husband in some way, right? I Yes, I could, you know, exist without him, but my subroutines would take time to be adjusted if something happened to my relationship or to my husband. And so in that, I kind of interpreted that scene in the, the show as him having some need for her in particular, not just a relationship. And I got to tell you, when I was talking to T before this uh, episode, I was thinking on the no side of, I don't know I could do it. And now, because I'm trying to counter some of the no's, I'm feeling myself shift a little to, could I date Isaac or could I date Data? If those were the options, I think I might, but we'll see. We'll see. We've got a few more shares to get to here. So thank you guys for being so honest and so detailed. I really appreciate it. Welcome to the stage, Rachel. Good to see you. So again, Claire becomes involved romantically with Isaac, the ship's android, who over the episode learns to adapt, evolve, and grow into the relationship. Assuming we were in a world in which robots existed who could grow into a relationship and even love in their own way, would you, Rachel, be willing to try romance with a robot? Well, um, I'm a bit conflicted because on one hand, I've had conversations with people before and I was, and people have talked like about sex robots, for instance. And I was like, I could never do that. Like when people first started talking about it. Um, but then I see like her, for example, that movie with Joaquin Phoenix. And I see how someone can develop a relationship with like an AI or something. I know it was a little different because it's a, it's an operating system or whatever. But uh, anyway, and then I see movies like Ex Machina and where the, the robot is very alluring and appealing and like seems to be have emotion and desire. And but yet in that movie, the guy gets tricked by by that. But uh, I see the appeal. And so I feel like against my better judgment, I might. <laughs> but uh, the one thing I would, was going to say was about what Bab said about build your own boyfriend. Like, I agree with her that that wouldn't be very fulfilling. It's 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 like the same thing as having a human that um, just goes along with everything you want and never pushes back, never causes you to grow. 
never, um, you know, makes you have to work around them. That, that is annoying to me. Like when I have dated people that are just like, yes, yes to everything and never have their own opinions and never push back, never challenge me, it gets kind of boring and dull. And I think that, you know, if, if I did design a robot though, I would definitely design it to push back and to not just go along with everything I say all the time. Like, I feel like I wouldn't find that very fulfilling, you know? But then when you talk about data and I, I'm like, yeah, I could imagine myself falling for data. But like I said, it would be against my instincts, I think, because my instincts are like, no, I couldn't do that. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. Interesting. I'm glad you brought up the scenario in which a human being can be too compliant because clearly that's not exclusive to robots, right? So then we, as we trek along this path, we realize that we're, we're basically dissecting what we want from relationships or in relationships. And it isn't necessarily a bio boyfriend or an Android boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse or whatever. It is a certain criteria. So maybe if future uh, androids can meet those criterias, I mean, we don't even talk about the, the repercussions of this if everybody just had an android spouse. But uh, T, do you have any thoughts so far on what we've heard? It's been everything that I've been sort of hoping for, which is all of these different uh, different views that really take things in a different direction. Because coming into this, I hadn't considered the need for failure. And I hadn't considered the um, taking care of someone else and how that can be a very important part of a romance. Um, and so I'm, I'm thrilled because I'm now like rethinking my position like I love to do. Yeah, it's funny how it ebbs and flows throughout the, throughout the show. It's funny. Welcome to the stage, Boat. Thanks for coming. I'll put this to you. So we've got a doctor who becomes involved romantically with Isaac, the ship's android, who over the episode learns to adapt, evolve, and grow into the relationship. And yes, spoiler alert, they did have a breakup, and they make up at the end of the show. Assuming we're in a world in which robots existed who could grow into a relationship and even love in their own way, would you be willing to try a romance with a robot? Well, first of all, it's been great listening to everybody's answers. Um, it's a really fascinating uh, topic. In short, I would say a thousand percent yes, in part for a number of reasons. In, one, in part because if it's possible to, if it would be possible to program even all of the kind of nuances and uncertainties and desires or even like, you know, irrational needs, even if you could program all of that stuff into the Android um, as well, then, you know, like even the androids need to be cared for, for instance, which I thought was really interesting, um, then, then yes, I, I would say yes, uh, if you could program all the things that, you know, kind of meet your criteria, and even some things that you could, you know, program as, you know, not, you know, like things that you would ask the robot to evolve um, in their understanding of you um, going forward and all that kind of stuff, I would say 100% yes. Um, 
also because I have a very, I have kind of a dim view of the world, like in a romantic comedy version where, you know, there's kind of simple problems that get kind of resolved and kind of romance and trust is restored, like, sure. But like, you know, women report like the number one reason, you know, they are, you know, whatever, angry when confronted with, you know, a husband's betrayal. The number one reason is lying about money, not infidelity. And the number two is infidelity generally. One of six women report, you know, some kind of abuse by a man uh, over the course of their lives. 50% of all marriages end in divorce in the United States. Like, I feel like there's so much dysfunction. It's not a rosy picture at all when it comes to relationships, right? So I think if you could have a partner who you trusted, who surprised you, who wouldn't lie to you, who, you know, was compatible with you sexually, who helped, you know, uh, keep the home that you're living in kind of economically stable by virtue of their skill set, you know, out in the kind of workplace, right, out in the world, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't because, you know, humans don't oftentimes, as we all have experienced in our lifetimes, you know, kind of hold up their end of the bargain when it comes to like all of the really important things that make for a stable relationship. And so, yeah, I would say, yes, if you could program in all the things that you want and then, you know, be able to edit out all of the, you know, kind of potential problems like being betrayed, being lied to, being, you know, hurt either physically or emotionally, promote like a stable emotional relationship on a daily basis, a thousand percent. Yes. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting to that, that side myself, having come in, not knowing. I think that um, those are all really good points, especially about, you know, if you want a long-term relationship and not necessarily just that infatuation at the beginning of a relationship, like who doesn't love that, that weird sort of addiction to someone who's lit up certain tiles of your dance floor personality that just like, you're like, oh, that's never been lit up before, but that doesn't always make a long-term relationship. You right? can evolve your sex life. Like think of like how much like kind of judgment and, you know, kind of the value system, even in the U S you know, that has, I think, you know, been the responsible for exploding pornography in this country, right? There's so much repressed sexual desire because of our inability to talk about it, you know, even as a society. And so think about like, a, you know, an Android not judging you for the things that you're interested in exploring sexually at all. And then also helping to fulfill those. Like, I think that has a mental health component that would be extremely healthy, right? Not only for the, not only for your individual relationship before, but for the broader community that you're living in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my, my original, uh, yeah young person crush on data now doesn't seem as strange to me. So thank you for that contribution, Boat. I really appreciate it. Steve, we'll move on to you. Thank you for hosting the watch party yesterday. It's always a pleasure to be there with on Discord with everybody and to review what we thought of some of the episodes on Clubhouse here between the episodes. So thank you for taking the time to do that for us. I really appreciate it. How about you? Claire becomes involved romantically with Isaac, the ship's android, who over the episode learns to adapt, evolve, and grow into the relationship. Assuming we're in a world in which robots existed who could grow into relationships and even love in their own way, would you be willing to try romance with a robot? Thanks for that. So 
I certainly would. Like, I mean, <laughs> not while I'm married and happily so. <laughs> my my wife's like in the same room as I give this response. Um, but uh, so it's funny because one of the first movies we saw together was the movie Her. And I thought a lot about it in that movie and how there was so much to that relationship, though it was an artificial intelligence that was uh, just so like personal, right? It was just two personalities coming together and adapting to one another. And it, it has me, so when it comes to like a lot of, um, you know, that, that idea of romance and love and it having to be like the one thing that surrounds your sex life. I, I find myself to be a bit skeptical about the nature of that sort of thing. It's like, well, like the obviously sex is wrapped up in it because we're made to breed and make more people. Right. But without that factor and with us just thinking in terms of our own psychology what's good for us what what would benefit us in these relationships to whatever ends we we come up with independently you know regardless of whether or not uh natural selection wants us to breed i think while i would definitely enjoy i think i i enjoy more so like that boyhood dream of having a robot friend robot best friend um, that's like been depicted in so much film and, and stories where I find it's kind of like it's it's an advantage to have something, someone, a personality adapt to you or to be adjustable like through you and with you because you're not dealing with something or someone that that has a reason to be your enemy. Right. And that you you just off the bat, you're mutually uh benefiting each other i mean assuming you the the robot ai owner aren't uh like incredibly narcissistic right and so for me it's just kind of like i would be happy with starting that relationship in a sense but i'd want to ensure that if they don't start out as being free and as independent as i myself am that by the time I can bring about the ability for them to be so, that I've done enough in our relationship and in our interactions to be able to freely and, and with their actual genuine want to continue that. And if not, uh, just like the movie Her, people got to grow apart. I mean, that's just kind of the way it is. So yeah, I, I certainly more than than any aspect of this question really look forward to um to developing some interpersonal relationships with artificial intelligence moving into the future because if nothing else uh i i want to keep myself updated and challenged and uh to know you know what what i can do to ever improve on any personality or personal or strategic deficits that i might have fantastic yeah thanks steve you've you've brought up a a couple of things when you were talking um, earlier, you said something about breeding, and I, I don't want us to get off track because we're making good time right now, but perhaps later we can review, like, how does this work with having children? Does this mean that perhaps there might be some almost polyamorous kind of living? Maybe it's not the amorous part, but communal living so that the bio people are making bio kids 
but then would the androids want to have android kids as well so i just want to throw that out there for everybody to kind of just keep in the back of your head and then uh, perhaps if we have some time in a little while we can talk about what that family unit might look like well thank you everybody those contributions were fantastic lots to think about this has already been a, a great morning and that wraps up for the love of trek an homage to star trek part one thank you for listening this is star trek sundays on clubhouse our regular show is sunday at 10 a.m pst to be notified of future shows please join the house on clubhouse and our mailing list at StarTrekSundays.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have a great week.